Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Free Agents Podcast. It is a rainy Sunday afternoon. Anyone else in the Northeast, stay safe, stay inside. It is wet, so I don't recommend going outside. The hurricane is, is coming. So thanks for tuning in. We have a very special guest today, uh, a colleague of mine at the Brooklyn Cyclones. Uh, however, is much more esteemed than I am is the, the PA announcer for the Mets, Cyclones, the New York Riptide, and Stony Brook Athletics, as well as a 12-time Emmy nominee and a three-time Emmy winner, Colin Cosell. The name is is as famous as the person. Uh, we're very thankful to to have him here today to provide some insight and, you know, just see what he's up to, see how Colin's doing. So thanks for being here, and we look forward to talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on this uh, this Hurricane Sunday. Well, I mean, we were, we were I'm on Eastern Long Island. We were supposed to get a direct hit, and that thing took a hard right and just like didn't hit Long Island at all. We just got some wind and some rain. Apparently, it hit Rhode Island. Good for them. I don't know, but uh, but I'm happy to be here. I mean, like, listen, it's still it's still a miserable day out there. So uh, thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Thankful to uh, to have you on. I think we picked a good day. You know, what what, what better thing to do than to yeah, if you were if you were taken away from beach time uh, on one of my rare days <laughs> off, like it would be all smiles on the podcast, but we'd be going to blows afterwards, man. The next time I see you in the booth, I'd come in and just deck you and be like, "How could you?" Honestly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you for doing that. Um, so I guess just to start, for people who are not familiar with Colin Cosell, there are a ton uh, of them. Know, yeah, <laughs> tell us tell us a little bit about you know, yourself and what you do and, and what you're up to nowadays, uh, professionally, personally, what's going on with Colin Cosell? Um, I'm like, I'm all over the place. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm announcing for as many teams as possible, um, you know, between the the Mets and of course their high A, uh, high a affiliate in the Cyclones, uh, the New York Riptide, they will finally start up again in December, which I'm super pumped for. Uh, Stony Brook Athletics, so my first delve into uh, D1 athletics. So, uh, you know, it's all exciting stuff. And then I've got my day job, just like anyone else. Uh, I work as a moderator for these major corporate roundtables, these B2B corporate roundtables between uh, companies ranging from like mom and pop startups to IBM and Apple uh, and stuff like that. So I'm a, I, I talk, I talk a lot for a living. It's, it's what I do. It's what I do best. Um, and thank God I'm, I'm pretty good at it because otherwise I would probably be cleaning toilets at City Field. I don't know. I mean, hey, I think that uh, at the end of the day, I'm familiar with, you know, obviously you're, you're talking a lot uh, in the booth at the Cyclones and you've done so many things uh, even before you, what you do now in terms of, you know, just interesting experience and it, and it shows in the, in the stories that you tell and you're an incredible storyteller. Um, so I don't know if you'd necessarily be cleaning toilets, but. I, I mean, you know, there's, listen, a job is a job. I, I really should yeah. not rain on anyone's parade for whatever it is they do for a living. Um, unless, you know, you're one of those people that goes to houses to, uh, to euthanize animals like that. That's gotta be pretty rough, but, uh, yeah. but you know, so yeah. shout out, shout out to the custodial and janitorial crew at, at city field. You guys do a bang up <laughs> job. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just in a crabby mood and I'm taking it out on anyone who's nearby. Um, but, uh, but no, your, your, your words are, 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 
far too kind and far too accurate. I do talk a lot in that booth. Uh, not all of it is going out to the Cyclones faithful in the crowd. Um, <laughs> most of it is going to uh, our our boss, I guess, Ricky Viola, uh, to Patrick McCormick, a.k.a. Patches, who runs the scoreboard and is sometimes the official game score, which is something I will never understand. Uh, that we've got Chris and Jamal, Harmony on the camera, uh, and of course the, uh, the late great, uh, Howie Howard, uh, Kaplan, uh, I say late great, he's still alive, but he, he might've died recently. We don't know. Like the dude, the dude's got a terminal cough. Um, so he could be dead. So each time yeah. I talk about him, I say he's the late great, just in case I'm the first one to break the news that could possibly happen at any time with that cough he's got. Yep. And he, he gave it to, uh, everyone in the press box at one point. So yeah, was, no, we all got a cold. His, his doesn't leave though. Like he's got this terminal cold, <laughs> like ours was fleeting. Lingering. Yeah. And it happened the week of his birthday and me being the oh. mature adult I am, I did not wish him a happy birthday uh, that Thursday <laughs> on Facebook because I'm like, no, you gave me a cold. It, you get nothing from me in return. And you and your COVID cough can can go enjoy your, your birthday in solitude. How dare you, Howard? <laughs> yeah, no, it's I agree. And, you know, wiped a week out. And I think that if you guys will remember Andrew and, and Brandon, that week that I was sick, that was the week. So, yeah. OK, yeah, that's yeah. what I had. Um, so switching gears a little bit from the late great <laughs> from the Howard Kaplan. Um, okay. So how did you get your first job whenever that was either, you know, out of college or, you know, it may be in your youth. Um, was it what you wanted to do? I'm sure if you pick one from your youth, it probably wasn't because only so many kids get hired for stuff. Um, and how did your first experience kind of shape where you are today and, and how you've you know navigated your career? Well, I mean, I, I always knew I wanted to talk into a microphone, um, or at least since age five. So that's pretty much always because ages one through four, you, you don't know what you want outside of like food and nap um, yep. and toys. Yep. Um, but I, <laughs> I knew I wanted to talk into a microphone um, for a living uh, for the rest of my life. My first gig, I guess you could call it as a PA announcer was uh, for my high school alma mater, uh, King School, small private school in Stanford, Connecticut. And uh, they asked me to come back from college and do the PA for the homecoming football game. Uh, and I did. And I've always leaned towards comedy and uh, trying to make people laugh my entire life. Like that was also a childhood thing where I'd kind of hold court in the back of the school bus and just crack jokes and have my own like, you know, 20 minutes set and uh, and keep everyone entertained. So I kind of brought that with me. I was probably too immature. Um, not that I'm so mature now, um, but too mature to um, be on the microphone um, in this capacity. So I was doing my job, you know, saying incomplete pass or completed pass. Now it was a lot of incomplete passes. It was really bad football. Um, so it was a lot of incompleted passes, fumbles. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was a disaster, but a lot of flags. And I started kind of ripping on the refs for it. And I was just like, oh, wouldn't you know it? There's another penalty on the play. I was just like, wow, I don't, I can't believe he has that many flags in his pocket. It's like a, a clown with a handkerchief. It just keeps on coming. Like he's got so many flags. And so during halftime, the, <laughs> the refs warned our athletic director, the, the King's athletic director is like, listen, if that PA announcer keeps making fun of us, we're going to start, we're going to start penalizing the team for that too. <laughs> and I'm like, right. I'm like, so wait, so you're threatening to penalize even more? Like you're giving me even more material. Like, does it matter at this point? Every play's a penalty. Um, so, so I got that warning and I kind of felt bad. And then, 
uh, I came back and I did it for a few years. And then I stopped after this one time where uh, a mom for the opposing team literally got in my face because I wasn't giving the same energy to calls for their school as I was for our school. And I'm like, I was like, well, ma'am, with all due respect, this is our homecoming. You are the guest and we're not here to boost you. We're here to beat you. And she goes, that is so disrespectful. And it's just like, no, disrespectful is the fact that your team is down by 41 right now. Not what I'm saying about that. I'm like, you, you want what you want oh, me to be man. better than announce? You know what? Hire me to come and announce at your school. Or here's a better idea. Tell your son to play football better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was my first taste of it. And, uh, then I didn't do it for a bunch of years after that. I was like, this is, this could be hazardous to my health. Um, <laughs> fast forward to my mid thirties, um, about six, six, yeah, or so years ago. And I was managing a bar in the East village, a sports bar in the East village of Manhattan. And I would run their trivia night and the company that we'd get the trivia questions from, um, one of the owners of the company also ha had a minority stake in a professional ultimate Frisbee team in the AUDL, the American ultimate disc league. Uh, and the team was the New York Empire. And he was like, would you be our pay announcer? And they actually would do, uh, they would have some games. They had one at uh, MCU Park. Um, so uh, unfortunately, I didn't make that game. I had something else going on. Um, but that would have been my first time announcing in the now Maimonides Park, um, the Bridgeport Bluefish Park, which is now an amphitheater, um, and uh, Randall's Island, like some some random things. So that's kind of where I cut my teeth as a PA announcer. And I was also kind of like our, our boss, Matt, uh, Ricky Viola, uh, running the music as well and kind of producing the whole thing and um and it was a lot of fun but uh then i just i became too busy doing other broadcasting things and it wasn't really paying me enough um to, to capture my interest uh, and then within uh two years after that i after two seasons i landed the job with the mets um and you know, once you make it to Major League Baseball, you don't quite look back at ultimate disc, uh, even though I have nothing but respect for those athletes. Those guys are nuts. Like they put themselves out there like no other athletes I've ever seen before. Oh, yeah. Because I, I ultimate Frisbee for me in college, that was a bunch of stoners on the quad listening to Grateful Dead <laughs> and throwing a Frisbee around and being like, bro, this is the closest thing we've got to football, bro. Um, but these guys are like legit athletes. Uh, and of course, um, right after my second season with the Mets, uh, the New York Empire won the championship, won the world championship. So I missed out on that as well. But things work um, out that way. It's, yep. I'm yeah. I'm okay with it. I mean, I I'm all, all right. Full disclosure, I'm a little butthurt. I'm like, yo, I put my time in, <laughs> and then these guys go off and win it all. I'm like, we were yeah, like dude. two two and sixteen when I was there. <laughs> now they're off winning championships. I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, no, it's, I, I feel like that's how it is for you at the Cyclones this season because when I worked there my first season in 2019, they won a championship, and now they're not so good. So, And now it doesn't matter if they're good because they, they don't even have a playoffs to play for. Like We're just yeah, watching exactly. baseball for the sake of a bunch of young men trying to make it in the majors. And yeah. spoiler alert, a large percentage of them will not. not. <laughs> So they might saying, not even make it onto dude. Long Island Ducks. Like, yeah, I don't know where yeah. these guys think they're going. <laughs> hey, I mean, at least Keep now they're... Away. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe now they're making livable wage, which is, you know, well, maybe. Maybe. I, yeah. Out. You know, I'm 41 years old. I'm out for my livable wage. So whatever happens to these guys, good luck. Go get them. We're all pulling for you. But come on. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> livable wage. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Okay, we're, I mean, we're, we're transitioning a little bit to right now, 
I mean, just being a PA announcer during a pandemic, that must have been an interesting experience. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what that all was like, as well as your role in creating Now on Deck? Uh, so, you know, obviously, as a PA announcer, uh, specifically during the starting lineups, like that's that's my bread and butter. Like that is my happiest time in the game, unless, you know, we're crushing the other team and I'm announcing whoever just hit, you know, a huge home run or whatever, you know, like there's, there's different things, but no matter what, because the game hasn't started yet, no one's winning, no one's losing. It's just level playing ground. Uh, starting lineups is, is what I love the most about my job because the crowd feeds off of it as well. Uh, I know when I announce Jacob DeGrom's name, I'm going to add a ton of gravitas to it because the crowd is going to go nuts. They are feeding off of what I'm saying. And that to me is electrifying. Um, then you enter a pandemic in 2020 and the fans are all made out of cardboard. Um, the fan sounds are all coming through speakers um, from an iPad in our production room. And um, we didn't even do starting lineups. You know, uh, we just, anything that was going to be crowd related, it was, there was no point. Um, uh, to our production team's credit, uh, greatest crew of people I've ever worked with in my life, super talented. The sound effects they put in there uh, were awesome. If you closed your eyes, you did get the the feel that there was a crowd there. At least you were able to trick your mind into believing that. Um, and we we even had a Let's Go Mets chant that was recorded by our uh, ballpark uh, DJ, uh, DJ Razor. He just happens to grab some sound bites sometimes. And he had these like on standby. Um, not knowing that one day they'd be used during a, a pandemic to add some, you know, yeah. real life yeah. city field sound effects to it. But there it is with the, the cowbell guy, uh, Edwin Boyson playing his cowbell, like the let's go Mets chant. So there are aspects of it that, you know, made it okay. Um, being able to hear the players very clearly, like you could hear everything yeah. going on in that field. Um, we all learned that Jeff McNeil's favorite word starts with F and it ain't friend. Um, <laughs> it, uh, I mean, I, I, I speak into a very expensive microphone for my voice to boom throughout that stadium. He used none at all. And it was twice as loud. I believe it's still echoing through the, 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 the gaping void of space now bouncing off the planet. Um, <laughs> And he wasn't even in that bad of a slump, but I digress. Uh, but yeah, so it was it was jarring. It was weird. Walking through the ballpark was weird. Having to go through the protocol, um, you know, being tested constantly, getting your temperature taken, having to listen to the question, the list of very invasive questions, um, not being allowed to associate with certain people, our staff being cut down by two thirds. Uh, you know, all of it was just very surreal. Um, you made your peace with it. I was happy to be working. I took comfort in knowing that I was one of maybe 600 to maybe a thousand people on this planet watching live baseball in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so I took none of it for granted, but it's also something I never want to do again. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was very surreal. Yeah. Uh, but the ride home was awesome. There was like no traffic. It's like you exit the ballpark, get in your car and I am home out here in Eastern Long Island in like, Sometimes and no one's on the roads either, so I, sometimes under an hour, and it's oh, normally like, amazing. Yeah, normally it's like an hour and ten minute trip. Where laws broken, who knows? I got home early. That's all that mattered. <laughs> so that aspect of it was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's like but going I'm, to, I'm thrilled uh, to have the fans back. It's like a little league game at that point because like there's no one there. 
you get to leave with the you know the players are leaving. Yeah, but I mean, like there was no like, parents. Like there was no parents to even support. Like that's true. If, if this if, if this is your idea of a little league team, then these are some negligent parents of these little leaguers. <laughs> <laughs> these are parents that don't care what little Timmy's doing with his team as long as they don't have to be there. Yeah. There's there's not going to be a home home videos of of little Timmy hitting his first home run on that on that team. No, no, yeah. no, no one's going to know about it. It's the tree falling in the woods thing. Like, no, mine hit two home runs today. Of course you did. Go to your room. Yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> I'm a liar. My girlfriend doesn't have Facebook and she lives in Canada. That type of vibe. <laughs> um, were there were there any like good good stories that you have from any of the games? Obviously, like there's the Jeff Jeff McNeil tidbit, but was there like one moment that was like either really funny or cool. I mean, we were able to do some things that um, we otherwise would not do. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, I'm trying to think of what I could say. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get anyone get... in trouble here. Yeah, uh, keep your job, please. We don't want to be the... Mine, yeah. everyone else's, yeah. Um, yeah, there was... Um, so normally, okay, well, one of the things we'll do is uh, a Mr. Met dance-off, and we'll start playing um, Canned Heat by Jamiroquai, uh, which was made famous from a scene in one of the worst cult classics of all time, Napoleon Dynamite, yes. uh, where Napoleon is dancing for a talent show or whatever it is. I've seen this movie twice, and I hated it both times, so I <laughs> am saying this through gritted, hateful teeth. Um, I swear to your listeners, I'm a very positive, happy guy. It's just, it's just the day, I swear. Um, <laughs> So anyway, so Mr. Matt will do his dance and he'll start doing dance moves that that idiot Napoleon Dynamite does. And then he'll point to someone in the crowd. Um, and then one of our camera crew will be on someone dancing. And so it'll be kind of like a dance off between the two. Um, well, of course, the fans last year were cardboard cutouts. So <laughs> we would treat it like a normal Mr. Matt dance off. So our, our Mr. Matt... Um, who shall remain nameless, super talented guy. Uh, he's doing this whole dance routine and then he points and then all of a sudden it's just some guy like cardboard cut up being like <laughs> <laughs> while the music's playing and then they'll cut back to Mr. Met and he's like doing his thing and he's like dancing and he points to someone and it's some kid going <laughs> and it's just frozen and I just, I absolutely died. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there there's, there, I you know took video of that um, one of the, the cooler things that happened um, that was not uh, funny at all, but was very poignant was uh, the night against the Marlins that uh, both teams lined up uh, on the baseline for 42 seconds in silence while one of the Marlins players uh, laid down a Black Lives Matter t-shirt on home plate and then both uh, teams left the field. Um, <clears throat> that was something that I don't think uh, could have been accomplished with fans in the stands. Um, such a polarizing topic, and this country is as split as it is. Um, I, I just I don't think that would have gone as well. Um, coming into work that day and none of us knowing exactly what was going to happen, uh, and then them saying, hey, this is all going to be on your cue. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you have to announce the first batter, and then <clears throat> this protest is going to happen, this uh, statement. Um, so that was, that was wild. Cause like, as soon as I announced the first batter, they all come out, they shut off city vision. They shut off the right field. They shut off, uh, all banners and everything. Uh, it was pitch black. It was silent. Um, and it was very, very surreal. Uh, and then everyone left and literally my director was like, 
all right, that's it. Everyone go home. And so it, the whole thing was just bizarre. It was poignant. Uh, no matter what side you're on um, of that that argument, it was still something to behold. It was pretty crazy. Um, and then on the way home, I blew out a tire, uh, ran out of gas, and <laughs> um, and uh, and the battery died all in one fell swoop. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was a night, man. That was a That's night. That's <clears throat> I ended up in a cop car that night. A cop actually helped me go grab gas for the car because AAA was taking forever. So that was the first time I ever rode in a, in a cop car. It let me sit in the front seat. Like it was, it was a, wow. just a, what a night. What wow. a night. <laughs> That's such an eventful night. Oh, yeah, boy. it really was. I had a few drinks when I got home that night. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it must have been very, you know, special to have been a part of you know, that type of movement, especially in, you know, even in a small role, I think that a lot of people were wondering, you know, how can I play a part in, in supporting uh, these people in this, this difficult time? And, you know, the fact that it was on your queue is, is probably really, you know, again, as surreal as you put it, um, I can only imagine how, you know, how special yeah, that yeah. was to have been a part of. And yeah. it was crazy. It was absolutely wild, um, you know, and uh, again, uh, there would have been, uh, there would have been people booing. There would have been people cheering. It would have been a whole mishmash and and, and a total mess. Uh, instead, yeah. it was it was just yeah. completely quiet, peaceful, um, yet poignant and pointed. And it was it was awesome. It was truly it was it was something else. But um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. But uh, those are a couple couple of things that that happened without the fans. I'm thrilled the fans are back. Um, it's, it's really cool to, to have that and to be able to interact with them again and to have, uh, to be able to announce the players' names and have them go ballistic, you know, announcing Pete Alonso's name right after the home run derby and the crowd goes nuts. Um, it's that synergy that I absolutely feed off of and, uh, and love. And, um, we even get it to a certain degree with the Cyclones, you know, it's, it's really a fun part of the job. It does happen from time to time. It's rare, yeah. but when enough people are there, it's uh, it's a fun time. <laughs> yeah. Like a Seinfeld night. That's when you really get them going. <laughs> Food lines until the eighth inning. That was crazy. Oh yeah, craziest lines I've seen at any yeah. event. Dang. Yeah, I, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you speak to us a little bit? Moving on, um, can you speak to us a little bit about what your role is in creating um, now on deck? I know that you know it's a new oh, project right. for you. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Well. Yeah. Here's so I, what had, ended up happening was at the beginning of the pandemic, I started a thing online, uh, notably on Twitter called Call Me Up Colin, um, because I realized um, this was Saturday, March 14th or 15th, that uh, Sunday, the 15th, that I put it out on Twitter. It's something I had done before when I had first gotten the job at the end of my first season, just so that the fans could kind of acclimate to me a little bit more. Um, they had had Alex Anthony as their PA announcer for 17 years. So it was, you know, it was not like I was welcomed with open arms from everyone. It was a tough transition. I can't say I blame them. Alex has an amazing set of pipes and is a really great guy. Um, I just had to keep reminding them that I'm not, I, I didn't fire him. I didn't come in to replace him. I just <laughs> got the job. Um, so I figured this would be a good time to resurrect the call me up Colin thing um, so that uh, I could bring a piece of the ballpark to the fans and um, and in turn be doing what I would be doing at that time of year. Uh, and it just kind of snowballed and it, it got, as strange as this is to say, it got international attention. 
Um, so I was doing tons of radio, TV, print uh, interviews on a regular basis. Meanwhile, trying to juggle these things um, and landing a, a work from home job that is now turned into my full time job, moderating these virtual roundtables. So it was crazy. And when it was all said and done, and I finally finished all of them uh, by June. Uh, I'd done over 1200 of them. So oh, it was wow. like, it was wow. nuts. Um, at which point, um, a friend of mine who does radio play-by-play -play for uh, the Orlando, um, uh, wait, is it Orlando or Miami? I don't know. One of the MLS teams down there in Florida. Um, and he's like, hey, we could turn this into something, you know, similar to Cameo, uh, except make it very niche and, and make it for announcers, especially for the ones who are, you know, suffering out there, not making any, you know, not getting any work because of a pandemic. Right. Um, you know, the only reason I was able to work is because it's in the major league rules that a player cannot come in to pinch hit, pinch run, uh, or have any sort of defensive replacements until they're announced uh, into the game. So that's why I became a, a mandatory worker, as strange as that is. Um, so anyway, um, so my, my coworker and I, uh, my, I'm sorry, my partner and I, Bruce, uh, created this and, um, you know, it was kind of a, a platform for uh, for them to join and get additional work, but also part of it was um, they'd have to put themselves out there and do a little bit of self-advertising. So we all they'd have to do is sign up and then just say, hey, I'll record, you know, whatever it is you want for, um, you know, little little Bobby's walk up or happy birthday shout out or whatever it is they wanted. Yeah, within within reason, keeping it family friendly. Right. Um, <laughs> and then full disclosure, my my partner just uh, he suddenly like I guess one day was just checking out what similar uh, platforms were out there like Cameo and found out that there was like a hundred of them. And he just had like a conniption. It was just like I I don't I, I don't. But like, we're never going to win this battle. And I'm like, I mean, I thought we would have a, like, I, I had some ideas for us to kind of, you know, take a different approach to it and utilize some of the press I had and everything. But um, he was just like, uh, nope, and just radio silence. So it's out there. People are still doing them, but we're not actively, you know, pursuing it as a, a business to, to keep it going. And uh, full disclosure from there, I just, I took myself off of it. I'm like, you know what? Um, I'm just going to do these for free the way I was before, um, for people. And if they want to send me a tip on Venmo, that's great. Um, some people did seek me out and would do that during the pandemic, which was awesome. Cause I was unemployed for the first two months of it. Um, and, uh, and, but yeah, like I'm, I'm happy to just do it for free. So that is the rise and fall of now on deck. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, I mean, I think that it's, it's very commendable of you to continue to do it for, for free because I think so much of what people Absolutely. do now is like commodified and it needs yeah. to be, you know, there needs to be payment. So I, I commend you for just, you know, giving people the your velvety voice for uh, for free or for a small tip. Velvety, um, my, so. come on, Matt. Jeez, I was, I was doing the PA for the uh, Hello Mega tour uh, stop at City Field, um, which I had to make a side announcement that Fall Out Boy would not be performing because they had COVID, uh, but still <laughs> fans got to <laughs> see great. Green Day and Green Weezer. Day, yeah. Yeah. And um, and I'm sitting there in the control room and we have this pre-recorded thing of like, in case of emergency, like here are the, all the exits and the plans that we should have in case the place is on fire or whatever. And I'm yeah. listening to it and I'm like, my God, I sound like Kermit the Frog. 
Like there's when I when I like am not doing like, you know, like getting into like deep announcer voice. Like if I'm doing it something like this, I sound like freaking Kermit the Frog and I hated it. So velvety voice, Matt, I appreciate that. Um, you don't have to charm me or flatter me anymore. I'm on your show. Uh, let's be real. I sound like a middle aged Kermit the Frog. I mean, the, <laughs> the only thing is, I think that uh, everyone hears their own voice and just thinks that it's awful because I'll re-listen to you know, this podcast and I'm like, wow, yeah. I just, yeah, we're listening I to the can't podcast listen to myself. Hard. This it's is, brutal. this is tough. Like how, yeah, do I mean, stand? you've got a velvety voice, Matt. You should, you should be on jazz radio. <laughs> like you should be announcing like, I know next I... on, uh, on Maddie jazz nights with Maddie. We've got, uh, <laughs> we're going to be assessing kind of blue, the breakthrough album from one miles Davis. <laughs> Landmark album in his catalog. And, uh, well, Let's start it off. Kind of blue. This is Maddie. Enjoy the jazz. Like that should totally be you. <laughs> hey, Honestly, I, mean, I could see it. I could see I'll that. I'll keep that for my reel. I'll clip that and make yeah, sure that I send that go. in. Um, I appreciate it. No, you're not using my voice for your reel. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that script. I think that that was... Uh, I swear this is me. Yeah, yeah I can just pla- I'll just plagiarize um, as I Yeah, no, go me. ahead. No, it's, it's not plagiarism if you ask for permission and you have my permission so you're no longer plagiarizing. <laughs> Boom, you could have yeah. made this so much easier on yourself, my God, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, life life is hard. You know, today today no, is, is a rough a day route. for us, Northeast. It's a brutal day. Uh, hey, you know it's beings. it's smoky over here. Yeah. <laughs> what? Fair. We're we're I'm in California, yeah. So we got the wildfires and all the smoke coming through. So we don't have the rain, but it's just been cloudy or like smoky for the past like four or five days. Or yeah, four, four or five days, four or five years. Like California's been yeah. on fire for the <laughs> That's better a good part point. of a decade now. Yeah, that's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. The moon's been orange for as long as I can remember. So, oh, well, that's pretty at least. Yeah. yeah it's go. a nice visual. Yeah. Go Giants. Um, go Giants. <laughs> so, switching gears a little bit, I think that you had brought up before that, you know, you've done a lot of different things, you know, from DJ to news anchor, stand up comedian. Which you know, obviously, if anyone who's still listening to this episode is, is very evident. Very evident. No, they have all dropped at this point. They have <laughs> had enough of me, my Kermit Frog, Kermit the Frog voice, and my my downtrodden approach to everything. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's uh, I think it's I'm I'm into it. So, I also you said you, me. you're you're managing a bar in the East Village. Uh, I was. Yeah. You, what yeah. What was the bar before I finish the question? Just. See if uh, it was called uh, Percy's. It was right on the corner of 13th and A. Um, and it no gave way. me many. You know it? That's where I lived. I lived on 13th and A <laughs> for three years. Yeah. yeah. What years was that? What? Oh, that's right. You guys are NYU. What? Yeah. Uh, where exactly? Uh... Well, Percy's is right on the corner. It has like the like the old school type entrance and there's like the outdoor seating now. Um, yeah. I no, I live like. It shut down. Um, I live right across the street. Oh, like, like right across, the, like uh, above uh, drop-off service, or? Uh, I was on the corner of Thirteenth and A, so it was like a red awning. You've probably seen it. It's like the buildings that are, don't really look like buildings. It's just like a bunch of bricks with trash cans in front. <laughs> I mean, I you just That's you just way you can describe it. You just described New York City. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, that's just so crazy though, because I have I have been there a couple times. Yeah, well, that's that's where I was, and um, while you know it, it gave me much anxiety, and it, I mean there was some stability in there, but it, the job drove me nuts. But 
I did meet two of the most important people in my life in that uh, in those four walls. Uh, the woman who is now my wife. Um, yep, that's right. If I can do Very it, cool. anyone can. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the man who would end up uh, was the liaison to my getting the job with the Mets. Wow, was a regular Dang. customer of mine. So. Um, one fateful day I was at a Mets game, reached out to him. I was like, Hey, I'm at the game. He's like, Hey, uh, you know, come on by chat, show you around the production area. He's like, Hey, listen, um, the higher ups are looking for a new, uh, PA announcer. If you give me a demo, I can put it in the right hands. He's like, I'll have no control of it thereafter. Um, and that was Sunday, April 15th, 2018. And one month to the day later, I got the job. So wow. uh, on my 19th so. birthday. Very cool. Well, and then so I was here, you know, and the best part is I was doing jello shots in your favor. Uh, my wife's maid of honor <laughs> smuggled in some jello shots into nice. deal that day. Uh, that was, the, and that was the last time I've had jello shots actually. So, um, what a day, what a day you yeah. were born. I found out about a, a life changing job. Uh, tax day. There as a, tax day. There as a newlywed. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you kind of you kind of did answer the question I was I was going to ask, but it was kind of like how did those experiences help you in your career? And then if there were obviously, I think stand up comedy has some benefits for public address announcing, but if that's helped at all in your your PA career, uh, not with the Mets because everything is very scripted. Um, yeah. They allow me to have a little bit of fun. This season we've been um, we started hooking up. Uh, an N64 and a Super NES uh, to City Vision and having um, members of our production team during rain delays play against each other on uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s Major League Baseball. And it was like there's some rights to team names and no rights to players' names. It was like wonky depending on the year and which system it was. It was awful. Uh, but they allowed me to do play-by-play -play over the PA. Um, Very cool. So we'd That's have the so Mets cool. play against whoever they were supposed to be playing against during that rain delay and um and it was like got to do it twice this season fans got into it started chanting let's go mets cheering when the mets would score um and occasionally <laughs> laughing at my god-awful jokes um but otherwise you know it, with the riptide it's a completely different story because that's the perfect amalgamation of every single thing i've done in my career um from uh color commentary to play-by-play -play, sideline reporting uh stand-up comedy public address I do all of that throughout the uh, the three hours of a Riptide game, um, and it's awesome. It's a blast. Like they want me to antagonize the opposing team, like I'm supposed to rip on them uh, and offer a little bit of play by play and some commentary. And uh, if someone's in the penalty box, I can go over and start messing with them. Be like, hey, so I uh, saw so you argue with the ref. You know, uh, he was right don't you like that was you cross checked him to the jaw and that's against the rules um you know basically my boss is like do what you want just don't swear don't make it political don't make it racial and i'm like well duh and so um so instead for our, our last our last game before we were shut down uh, in the pandy um the uh it was it was Saturday, March 7th, um, 2018, or I'm sorry, 20, uh, 2020. And uh, we were playing against the Georgia Swarm. And at that point, like, you know, the coronavirus was out there. COVID wasn't even a name yet. Um, and we knew it was spreading. But like, at that point, typically any time there's a, like a threat of a pandemic, somehow the government is able to contain it. 
And this time it was completely mishandled worldwide. And well, we, we all know how that ended. Don't have to tell you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it became a global pandemic. It even reached Antarctica. How does that happen? Who knows? Um, but so when I announced the, uh, the opposing team when they're coming in, uh, typically I'll say something snarky. Um, and so for this one, I said, uh, and because none of them tested positive for the coronavirus, I guess here are the Georgia swarm. And, uh, and some people were, were joking or laughing at it, whatever. And it was, um, in hindsight, I'm, I kind of cringe at it. I'm like, oh, God, little did I know that like millions of people were going to be dying from this. Um, and so my director was just like, okay, Colin, got some good laughs there. Let's not joke about the oncoming pandemic from here on out. And it's literally the only time I've ever gotten close to chastised. But that gives you an idea of what I'm able to do there. So um, Riptide games are like out of this world. Uh, and my boss told me this year, he's like, we want it to be like the Tonight Show with Colin Cosell. And in the background, there's a lacrosse game going on. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I'm yeah. like, okay, so let's go nuts with this. Uh, dig your own grave. <laughs> You know, uh, it's it's going to be yeah, if you guys can make it to a Riptide game, I know you're in California set on fire. Um, but uh, if you're able to, you know, uh, douse yourself in some water and get across over here, uh, you know, come come watch some indoor lacrosse. It is it is an it's abs it's an absolute blast. Hey, it's a place. huge that's a I'll huge party with a with a sporting event going on. Um, and we have DJ Razor from the Mets. He does our Amazing. music as well. And he's like a legitimate DJ. Uh, so he and I know how to play off each other. So he, he's going to be like the roots to my Jimmy Fallon. So it's going to be a blast. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm excited just hearing about it. I think that something that we can do um, on this episode is put a link to the Riptide and maybe people who are interested in getting some tickets because I know Absolutely. a lot of people who listen are, are local in New York. So. Yeah, yeah, it's inexpensive little, too. You know, it's it's cheap. It's cheap fun. Good old cheap fun at that Nassau Coliseum. The Islanders abandoned it, but we did not. <laughs> Love to see it. You're yes, the, the resident absolutely. team now at uh, Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, we own this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just you know, I think that all of us, at least right now, uh, if any of you are following our social channels, we're pretty quiet because we're incredibly busy with, like actual jobs yeah i just recently got two other jobs along with the cyclones you know andrew just got a full-time position brandon is interviewing for a bunch of stuff that takes up a bunch of time so how do you manage to balance you know your your day job that you currently have and then the 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 pa stuff on the side because at least for me i'm having a like a really hard time just it's really hard my time are there certain tactics that you use to make sure that you're on schedule and you're not missing stuff um well, first, you just you got to learn how to unplug from time to time like this uh, last weekend and this weekend are the first two consecutive weekends with both days completely free and clear on my calendar um, since April. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been I'll, I'll be honest with you, like I'm a summer bum. I love the summer. I love golfing. I love going to the beach and everything. Um, I didn't make it to the beach the first time until uh, gosh, I think it was. Um, some point in july beginning of august um yeah it, it's been it's been brutal is what i'm getting at so um you know fortunately with my day job um there are a lot of us moderators so they they're all they when they hired me they said they would be uh amenable and amicable with my uh announcing schedule so unfortunately it's a company based out of the uk so 
Um, the last roundtables we'll do will be at like one o'clock, which means I'm done at 2.30. Um, and I'm out the door by like 3, 3.30 anyway to get to City Field in time. So like it all works out timing wise. Um, it's just a matter of like learning how to unplug <laughs> occasionally, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and and then, you know, when you're getting paychecks, though, it's like, oh, that's, that's why I do this. So, you know, <laughs> it always yeah. helps. Yeah. Makes yeah. Weird. I mean, and, and this full time job is the first full time gig I've had in my adult life um, with like a 401k and full benefits and everything. I've never experienced that before because everything I've done is freelance. So to be at this stage of my life um, is really refreshing. So, like, you know, I'm not taking it for granted, but I also am making sure that there's times where I do uh, unplug and decompress and, um, I mean, at the end of the day, with with the PA announcing, like you have to be on and you have to be aware of the game and everything, but it's not the most stressful job in the world until the later innings when there's substitutions and stuff happening. Um, you're basically getting paid to watch baseball and talk occasionally. Um, so you know, it it could be a lot worse. It's just there's a lot on my plate at all times, and um, it's not looking likely that the the Mets are going to make the playoffs at the rate they're going right now. So um, I'll have my you know, evenings back, um, the exception <laughs> of like when I've got Stony Brook coming up and it's, it's a balance, but you know, again, um, work hard, play hard. And just, it, it, it does, when you look at your bank account, you're like, okay, good. Excellent. So I can pay the government, everything I've got because <laughs> <laughs> give it all. Cause I'm, not a, cause I'm yeah. Cause I'm not a billionaire and get, yeah. you know, zero taxes. Um, but you know, it is what it is. When you love yeah. what you do, Matt, you'd never work a day in your life. <laughs> exactly. I love moderating. I love announcing life is good in Cosell world. <laughs> love to see it. And you know, congratulations on, on the, the full-time gig. I think that absolutely um, a lot of, yeah. you know, Brandon, Andrew, and I, at least, you know, very prematurely, like, oh, like, we don't have a full-time job. We feel a certain way. I know Andrew just got one, but um, there was a certain level of stress that that we acquired. Um, and I think that, you know, putting things into perspective um, and talking with people like yourself and, you know, the other guests is really helpful in terms of seeing, you know, there is no one path to, to reach a certain goal. And, um, you know, you're no exception to that, given that you've done basically everything under the sun. And now, Everything is is good in Cosell world, as you just said. So exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now my wife and I can actually like talk about having kids instead of being like, well, it doesn't. You know, I don't know if we can afford one because this season ends and then there's a gap between these seasons. And it's like, no. Now it's like full time job and you know, pay time off and the whole nine. And um, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, man, I'm I'm extremely lucky. It took a crap load of work to get to this point, but I'm very, very, very lucky um, that it, it all has paid off the way it has. So absolutely. Are. Well, yeah. I was actually wondering, so like you've had the unique perspective where you've worked both in freelance and, you know, full time now. And I was wondering what your views on working on both of them, because I know that a lot of people like, especially for us, when we were starting, I mean, we were trying to figure out, you know, do I work full time? Do I work freelance? So I mean, what are your views about that? And, you know, your personal feelings towards the both of them? Um, I mean, you know, with the freelance aspect of it, it's a labor of love, you know, yeah. for be it as a sports caster, as I was um, with uh, MSG Varsity and then Verizon Files One Sports, uh, be it as a PA announcer for the New York Empire uh, or, you know, be it as, um, you know, the, the manager of a bar that's not really a full time job, even though. As a manager, you're like kind of always on call, but you're not on salary. You're not getting right. a 401k. You're not getting health and dental. You're not getting paid time off, you know? Um, so 
there's benefits to to both. Now, if you're able to land a full time job doing exactly what you love, then that's amazing. Like if if the Mets were a a year round gig and baseball was played year round and they could you know I could be on salary and do what I'm doing, I would be absolutely thrilled. Um, but they don't, and I'm not, and they're never going to, and I'm never going to, and so. Um, the most I can do is, you know, for those six months of the year, uh, milk it for all it's worth, enjoy every minute of it. Yeah. Uh, and with a full-time job, you know, I love moderating these things, watching major corporations who you think have, have it made in the shade and learning that they're like dealing with the same things that a mom and pop shop in, in Walla Walla, Washington are going through, through the pandemic. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome to be a part of that conversation. Also, it's kind of fun to tell corporate people to shut up. I mean, not so many work, <laughs> but like, you know, these, yeah. we're talking like C-level, C-level executives who are making like salaries beyond my wildest dreams. So I'll be like, okay, now uh, listen, Chip, next time, if you wouldn't mind keeping your answer down to about 90 seconds, got to make sure we get all the other <laughs> attendees involved. And I'm like, shut up, rich boy. We got other people to talk to. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a blast. So, you know, whatever ends up working for you and there's going to be jobs that you don't like, there are going to be jobs that you hate. You know, there, I cannot tell you the misery that, uh, managing that bar brought me, but again, it gave me my wife and in essence, my job at the Mets. So it, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, but if you can scoop up that, that full-time job that fits what you're looking for, then get it, do it. Make sure that they're going to allow you to move up and not just stay at this horizontal level of, uh, hey, we got you a new role with no salary, uh, you know, increase. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fantastic advice. Thanks. Happens yeah. like that sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> all right. I mean, I think that a good place to wrap up would just be, you know, as someone who has such diverse experiences, um, you know, if there's any parting advice that you would give to people listening who are, you know, maybe down on their luck you know, looking for employment or they just kind of feel like, you know, they don't really know what to do. Oh, Brandon. Um, <laughs> no. no it's, it, I it mean, I, just, hey. It's not targeted. Yeah, no, you no, can no. talk directly to Brandon if you want. Um, you could. But, the letter to you know, Brandon. You know, if there is any any parting advice that you have, uh, I'm sure that we'd, we'd love to hear it. Uh, Brandon, don't give up. Um, you know, it, no, it, listen, it's, it's, it is a, it's a struggle. I mean, for everyone. Um, and if anyone has it on easy street, they're in such a vast minority that they don't really account at the end of the day. Um, my, my best advice is to be a good person. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people I've worked with in this industry that are now on, uh, ESPN or NBC sports or like, you know, covering the Olympics They're you know, they're, they're living out these dream jobs, not just because they're good at their job, but because they're good people. Um, the other bit of advice I'd give is, um, be versatile. Uh, if you pigeonhole yourself into one specific, uh, skill set, uh, then, you know, and there's a, a hundred million people vying for that same job, then your, your odds become microscopic. Uh, for broadcasters out there, I'm like, hey, become proficient in audio and visual editing skills. Like, uh, learn uh, Adobe, uh, learn um, any any of these suites out there. Uh, you know, get get to know how to do it. Take, you know, learn from a, a YouTube, um, you know, tutoring uh, thing channel. Like, there's ways to do it, but make sure you're really good at a couple things, like great at a couple things or, or one thing, and then good to really good at a bunch of other things because that gives you the versatility to um, 
get an in with a network and then there's an opening for a broadcaster and they know you already and know you're a good person and boom, they'd much rather hire within the company anyway. So um, those are my two bits of advice um, uh, to your listeners, but most specifically to Brandon, who um, I just I just want to reach out and give Brandon a big old hug right now. I'm sorry, oh, bud. Thank you. I know the struggle is a lot. I know the struggle is real, brother. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> thank you. We're with I mean, you. We'll just end on a happier note than me not having a job. I'm just <laughs> wondering uh, if you could PA announce for any game, past, present, or future, which game would it be and why? Whew. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you're gonna, you're going somewhere, Brandon. I have faith in you. <laughs> Thank Questions you. like that, you're a real go-getter. I'm proud of you, Brandon. <laughs> That's an endorsement um, from Colin Costa. There we go. Now I have the confidence too. Hundred percent. Um. I, oh gosh, you know, um, there, there are a few, I would love to be the PA announcer for an opening ceremonies for the, uh, winter Olympics. Um, would love to do that. Uh, I'd love to be the PA for, um, uh, a winter classic in the NHL. Um, if there were to be a specific game, I, I wish I was on the PA at Madison Square Garden uh, Friday, June 14th, 1994, 10.53 p.m. when the New York Rangers became Stanley Cup champions against the Vancouver Canucks in Game 7. Okay. Um, then, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, Super Bowl would be fun, like any of those those big games. Um, yeah. But in the future, I want to be at City Field during a World Series um, and, and being the PA for the New York Mets when, when they're in the world series, like I, I would give anything for that day to come. Um, but yeah, great question. Thanks for asking that. Hey, I mean, uh, hopefully that day is coming soon for the Mets, but I, I know I hopefully say that, you know, maybe, maybe Ronnie and, and Francisco can, uh, from the Cyclones can lead the Mets to their next title. And, <laughs> and Brett, you don't forget Brett Beatty. Beatty's that, scaling the ranks. We had him in the beginning true. of the season. That's true. I, I forgot about him just because he left so soon. You know, he's too good. He's too good for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, this was fantastic sitting down and, and talking to you. I hope we didn't take too much of your uh, lazy Sunday away. Um, and I think only that it was 48. You know, it was only 48 minutes and 44, 45, 46, 47, <laughs> 48, 49, 50. I told my wife, hey. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to jump on this podcast. I'll see you in 20. Now I'm a liar. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Well, then I guess it would be too much for me to ask if, if we could get a sign-off from, from the Colin Cosell. Thank, <laughs> thanks for taking away my lazy Sunday, you yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, this uh, this is Colin Cosell reminding you on Sundays that you can listen to Matt and his jazzy Matt Sundays right here on Zencaster. Next week, John Coltrane will examine his entire beautiful catalog we'll roll one up and enjoy it together with maddie jazz jazzy matt sundays great um no i have got i have no proper send-off that was it no that was that was great that was was amazing that's what i was asking for so that's the intro to matt's new show yeah so we'll be we'll be back next week uh maybe earlier depends on our schedule but we thank you for tuning in and thanks again colin for taking the time out and I will see you this weekend. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Colin. Thank you for all that sweet, sweet really jazz. appreciate it. <laughs>